0: Welcome to the alchemy of music. We all remember that song during a summer romance or during a bad breakup. We all remember that album that changed your life. And we remember that concert we'll never forget. We'll dive into those nostalgic moments, hear personal stories while examining the cultural and cerebral effects music has and the magic it creates. We'll highlight upcoming tours, artists to see, and the latest in music. I'm your host, Tommy, and now let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to the Alchemy of Music. I am so excited for you guys to join me today. I am so happy that you'll be part of this journey with me. Uh, We are going to have a great year this year. I have so much in store for you guys. You are going to be happy, I promise. If you love music, this is the place to be. We're going to talk to enthusiasts, we are going to talk to musicians, we are going to talk about different genres each episode, we're going to have different segments that are themed, uh, we're going to talk about music videos, we're going to talk about lyrics, upcoming you know, tours, d- news, uh, festivals, so we're going to talk about it all. Today, we are going to talk to my dear friend Larry, Uh, I've known him for quite some time. He is an incredible guitarist. Uh, He's played in a handful of bands over the course of the years. Uh, We're going to talk to him later on today. He's going to tell us about seeing Jimi Hendrix front row as well as seeing Janis Joplin and Big Brother. Uh, He was pretty cool and I I learned a great deal from him. So you'll hear that in a bit. Uh, We're also going to talk about the most influential remakes of all time. So that's going to be really fun. So you'll hear that soon too. Before we get into that, I wanted to talk about, you know, how we're just starting depending on where you're located but here in the United States we're just starting to get out of the pandemic and concerts are just starting to be announced uh, for you know later end of the year and festivals are starting to be announced and it's an amazing feeling because I think we were all really unsure of what the future looked like. Now, I had this idea for this podcast prior to the pandemic, and, you know, once it really started to come together and sort of culminate in my mind, that's when the pandemic hit and everything was really at a standstill. I was so excited, too, because I had, you know season lawn passes to the Xfinity Center so I could go see any show. I wanted to see Halsey. I wanted to see Alanis Morissette in Garbage. Kiss was going to be there. Uh, I was so excited. And then I was also had tickets to uh, Boston Calling and it was going to be Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ra- uh, Rage Against the Machine. I was so excited. I had so many amazing shows lined up. And I was so bummed out once everything was canceled. Now, don't get me wrong, but the virtual sets and concerts that so many artists put on for our viewing pleasure and to keep us positive and sane during the pandemic was, you know, pretty cool. I have always, for years, live-streamed festivals, so that was something that I was used to, but I missed being in a crowd. I missed being at a live show, hearing live music, uh, the sights, the smells. I think this pandemic only strengthened my love for music, and I know so many other people that feel the same way. As we get into this swing of things in real life again, it's going to be really interesting to get back into the, that world And I think we're going to appreciate it more than we did before. I think we will value life in a deeper, more meaningful way. Music has shaped who I am and to have that back in some way only makes me more exhilarated to talk about it and to share it. In some of our upcoming episodes, we'll definitely dive a little bit deeper into some of the festivals that are being announced. We'll go over the lineup. Uh, We'll also talk about some of the concerts that are also being announced and when you can check those out. So that's going to be awesome. It's it's really crazy because most festivals are usually announced in January and February, and they all kind of happen at the same time. And the fact that it's happening right now is just so wild and so emotional. So um, I'm really excited. So today's going to be a great show. Uh, we're going to have a great, like I said, a great year. So I think you guys are going to be really happy and I hope you enjoy this episode. On today's segment, the best of, we are going to talk about music remakes. Back in December, I was watching the Howard Stern show and Miley Cyrus was on it, and she had performed uh, Doll Parts by Hole, which is originally and famously sung by Courtney Love. Now, Miley Cyrus, every time she covers a song, she does such an incredible job. She has the most amazing vocals, and she can dip into so many different genres and varieties and no matter what she does, she always slays. Uh, But this song was so incredible. I had chills. I was so moved by this song that I actually listened to it and played it more several times and I played it for even some of my friends because I thought it was that good. It's so good. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, look it up. It's it's awesome. Anyways, I but it got me thinking about, you know, and now I know this is a cover, but just remakes in general. What does it take to make an incredible remake? it can be a slippery slope trying to remake a song especially if the original is highly respected and adored by fans and there are so many artists that have successfully pulled it off so i wanted to talk about some of those artists and some of those songs today two of my favorite remakes are done by the same band and that is Guns N' Roses I love Knocking on Heaven's Door in Live and Let Die, and those two songs are originally sung by the two most famous, you know, artists in the world, which is The Beatles and Bob Dylan. There's something about their sound, the electric guitar, Axel's voice, that really just takes over those songs. And I think for me, what I think, why I love those versions is that you can, you know, you know the words, but it's Guns N' Roses sound. Their own essence, their own personal authenticity is just pouring through that song and you can just feel the energy, the momentum through them. Like they're just enjoying it, having a great time. Uh and I think the audience can feel that as well. Some of my other favorite remakes are um I love Mariah Carey's uh version of Without You. I think it's by Harry Nielsen, if I'm saying that correctly. Um I I love the original. I love Mariah Carey's version. That song just makes me want to cry. <laughs> it's so emotional and it's so beautiful. And I love both versions. They're I I don't I couldn't choose which one I liked more. Uh, another song um, that I really truly love a remake is Fiona Apple "Across the Universe." Her voice is just so clear and so calm and mellow. And it really just, you know, softens the song even more for what it already is and really emphasizes its beauty. Uh, this song, I would say, isn't really, I, it's more of a cover, but I think it's just so famous. It's, I, I put it in the remake category and that's nirvana's um remake uh cover of the man who sold the world which is a david bowie track and again just like guns and roses you know you're hearing it you know the original but you're hearing nirvana's song sound you're hearing kurt cobain's voice really just move through that song and and it's they're both versions are really incredible but it's it's so beautiful one of my favorite remakes of all time I would say is the Sunday's version of Wild Horses which is originally a Rolling Stones song and that song in itself is so raw but you know when you hear her voice it's you know you can actually I just feel like you can feel it and I think it's such a beautiful song I want to hear from you guys let me know uh, what some of your favorite remakes are? Did I talk about them today? If I didn't talk about them. I want to hear from you guys. So let me know on this segment of a musician story we are going to talk to my friend larry who is an incredible guitarist he's been in plenty of bands over the years he has his own youtube channel and he's also seen some really cool icons i was blown away by this interview and learned so much about what it takes to be a talented well-rounded guitarist i hope you guys enjoy Anyways, thank you so much for doing this for mm-hmm. me. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Um, one of the reasons I had you on because was because Joel sang your praises, and then my dad said he saw you back in the day. So mm-hmm. I was like, I have to have you on here. <laughs> um, and I'd want everyone on this podcast, like different varieties, genres, you know, musically trained in different ways. Um, so I thought you would be perfect for this. So first of all, let's go to the beginning. You live locally. Um, you grew up here locally. So what is your first memories of music?
1: My first memory of music? Well, um, I don't know. There used to be a department store called Sears. And we used to go down and buy record albums at Zayz all the time. And, you know, back then, you you would wait for an artist to release an album, and everybody would, like, hit the store and buy the album. But the thing about Zayz is they had a guitar department. They had all these, like, Japanese guitars. Mm-hmm. And we used to go down there and hang around and play the guitars, right? Even though I, I had no idea how to play guitar. But there was different folks that would go down there and so like, you know, I lived real close to it. So in the evening I'd walk down there and sit around play guitars and there was other guys who would play guitars and between us we sort of started showing each other stuff and, you know, so I I knew that I wanted to play guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like so I started bugging my parents, you know. Um, you know, I I like to get a guitar and stuff. And luckily for me, um, they entertained the idea, and they got me a guitar, mm-hmm. and, you know, basically, I've been playing ever since. Oh,
0: my God. You know? So how, you said, I read in here that your dad had a diverse taste in music, so tell me a little bit more about Yeah,
1: he that. did. He used to listen to all kinds of different stuff, instrumentalists like, you know, Dizzy Gillespie and Tachmo and stuff, and... Um, vocalists like Tony Bennett, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, Mm -hmm. he he had a really broad taste of music, but what he used to do to me all the time is say, I bet you can't play that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like he'd he'd throw some jazz song on or something Mm -hmm. like that. And of course, I wasn't about to let him challenge me and get away with it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, like, when he wasn't home, I'd be over at the record player and I'd be, like, playing a song over and over and, mm-hmm. you know, learning the song. And then when, he, when he'd when come home, I'd be sitting around and else I'd just stop playing the song, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he used to do that to me all the time. And, you know, as I thought about it in my later years, it was really a good thing because it really opened up my ears mm-hmm. to a lot of different stuff, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And to this day, I mean, that's, you know, I like... I like basically most types of music. Mm-hmm. There's a couple I'm not, I'm not fond of, but I can appreciate mm-hmm. the talent that goes into it, mm-hmm. you know?
0: No, I completely agree, because that's how I became an enthusiast as both of my parents liked a whole different variety of music. So it kind of makes you pretty open to anything and listening to anything, even if it's not always your jam. But Well,
1: when, when you used to listen to radio back then... It it was a whole different thing because like nowadays all the radios are into specific genres. Mm-hmm. It was this radio station's rap, this is blues, mm-hmm. this is rock, or whatever, right? But back then in the in the sixties, if you were listening to radio, you were as likely to hear Frank Sinatra following a Jimi Hendrix song. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there was no genre-specific mm-hmm. music. Yeah. You know, so it, it, you used to hear a, lo- a lot of different stuff, which I miss. I, I like that.
0: Yeah, I've said that to Chris, too, before. Um, it's You know, back then you had no choice but to hear what was on the radio or what was coming next versus you can kind of pick and choose. And
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, there were some cool stations at the time. WBCN uh, in Boston used to have a show at night called The Underground, mm-hmm. and uh, they used to play all these local – boston bands that were doing all this underground music like eden's children or ultimate spinach and yeah. you know and um it was a really different kind of music it was almost like you know it was pretty pot-driven music right mm-hmm. when you really think yeah. about it you know everybody was like you know getting getting stoned and making music but <laughs> i used to listen to that show religiously because there was just a lot of interesting artists that were on there oh, yeah. i mean ultimate spinach i forget the guy's name um baxter's his last name he's uh he played with the doobie brothers and a whole bunch of other artists and stuff but he got to start with ultimate spinach out in boston
0: that's
1: cool. popular guy i you know yeah yeah but it was that was like you know what i did did growing up and stuff i used to listen to that stuff all the time that's cool you know?
0: that's cool and then so did your dad play music
1: he played harmonica. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's he he, cool. he was pretty
1: good harmonica player. You know, he had a it was a, a multi octave harmonica that he used to play and mm-hmm. he used to do it. You know, for his friends and stuff like yeah, that. You know, they'd always ask him to play. Uh, so yeah, he played harmonica, but that was about it. I was really the only one with that. There was a musician in the family. Yeah. And you know, but like I knew from the first time I ever picked up a guitar, I knew that I could play it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just knew it. I was yeah. like, it wasn't hard for me. Yeah, And, uh, you know, so it's been a long road. Um, one of the artists that I've been listening to, I actually, that I actually like is Heim. Have you ever yes. heard of Haim?
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I really like them. Yeah. I mean, they're really talented, right? They're three sisters oh, yeah. and you know, they all play really well yeah. and they all play a lot of different instruments. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I happened to see them on YouTube. They did an old Fleetwood Max song called Oh Well. Yeah. And it really rocked it, man. I mean, oh, they nailed it. They're and, good. Yeah. And so after that, I just kind of like, you know, started looking at other videos by them. And, and I just really like them. You know yeah. what I mean? They're, they're not pretentious. and No,
0: they're off, very authentic. Yeah. yeah. I watch them on Instagram. They're pretty
1: awesome. Yeah. I love the bass player. She's, she's, she cracks me up, yeah. man. She's just like, you know... Big ball of energy, she yeah, is, you know?
0: Yeah, But, you
1: know, they're talented. They write all their own music. They yeah. play all their own music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being sisters, I'm sure they had plenty of time to, to practice. practice with each other. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I I was going to ask, too, so when you started, how old were you uh, when you started playing guitar? How old was I? Yeah. Fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah. So when did you start playing in a band?
1: Uh, probably Sixteen. Sixteen. <laughs>
0: So, how many bands have you been in since? Oh,
1: man, I've been in a ton of bands, but the first band that I was in was a band that was called the Dirks, right? It was yeah. a Dirk slang for a dagger. Yeah. And then we did this battle of the bands, and the other band who was named Cookiny Adjustables. Yeah. Kept on calling us the Jerks instead <laughs> of the Dirks, right? So, <laughs> so we said, well, we've got to change our name. So yeah. we changed our name to the Slang Expression. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know we were together for many years. We we're known as like Worcester's own young rascals, yeah, so yeah. we used to work all around Worcester. we we that's used to cool. do a lot of young rascal songs. that's Ooh. why we got that reputation. but yeah. now, I played in like um a ton of bands, blues bands uh. Rock bands, general business bands, yeah. uh, you know, um, you know. I I have jam sessions at my house, and that's that's what I like to do.
0: Oh, I've heard your jam sessions. Yeah, in, in oh. a
1: pandemic, put it into that, right? But yeah. you know, we got we, I've got one scheduled for June sixth, so. Ooh. You know, the first time that we get together, that's everybody's exciting. vaccinated and we can get together and not wear masks yeah. and just play and make a lot of music. That's awesome. Oh, It's, it's been tough for all the musicians, yeah. you know, make it. You know, I mean, that's what you do for a living. Yeah. You know, and come like March 12th of last year yeah. it was like, all of a sudden you rammed into a brick wall
0: yeah.
1: and, uh, you know, there, there was no more gigs. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you play a lot during the pandemic?
1: Well, by myself, you yeah, know, I, 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 that's when I started to do these l- u- little YouTube videos and oh. stuff just for the hell of it, right? Yeah. You know, because I, I, I didn't have anything to do. I have a kind of a, it's a cool little device called the Trio Plus, mm-hmm. and the way it works basically is you plug your guitar into it, and you play like a chord progression or whatever you want to play, mm-hmm. and it will automatically generate a drum track and a bass track. Ooh. And there's different styles you can pick. There's like blues, uh, rhythm and blues, rock, Mm. reggae, you know, and this and that. And so once you do that, um, it generates a bass track and and a drum track. Um, I can turn the bass off and then it has a looper in it. So I can go back and play the rhythm part and loop it with the other part that got recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times what I'll do is I'll turn the bass off and I'll play bass myself. And I'll add that to the loop and, you know but yeah. it's just such a great practice tool because it's like having a band in your house yeah you know so if i'm if I really want to practice um you know I, there's two types of practicing right there's practicing mm-hmm. like playing with the band, mm-hmm. and then there's just practicing for the technicality of it right mm-hmm. to, you want to develop accuracy in your playing and things like mm-hmm. that and so i mean i still I still study you know um i, I, I I've been taking some lessons from this guy Tomo Fujita, I signed up on his website, and he's a Berkeley instructor. Wow. And I, I just like the way he approaches things, yeah. and so you know, because it it forces you to start to think differently, right? Yeah. You know, you know anytime you, you know, you're, you're a musician, you tend to get into a rut yeah. where you start to feel like you always play the same thing. Yeah. And so you have somebody else that kind of points out. You know, the alternative ways of doing stuff, or just you know, yeah. just ways, new techniques, and and yeah. and stuff. So that's what I like about them. That's cool. You know?
0: well, that's awesome too, because you're you just well, I think creatively, anybody you just want to keep evolving. And well, you do, evolving. you know.
1: <laughs> you yeah, really do. I mean, it's a it's what it's all about, you know. Yeah. It's a never-ending search for what you're looking to do.
0: Yeah. And so, like, I've watched your YouTubes, and I'll link that in the show notes as well so that other people can uh, listen and watch. So what's your style? Like, I see you play, and you're just... Do you have a particular um, just... I, I
1: have a lot of different styles that I play, but uh, I kind of like... I like jazz, you know? Mm-hmm. I like kind of like bebop-type jazz. and Yeah. You know, so I like to do stuff that kind of has a slight swing to it. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I like I like like Almond Brothers type blues or, mm-hmm. you know, I like rock. I like You know, yeah. I, I play all the different styles because I grew up doing that, right? Yeah. But I studied jazz with this guy in Worcester back in, you know, the 1980s, uh, Steve Kinselli, who was really one of the top jazz players in Worcester. Wow. And I studied with him for many years and um, I learned a lot from Steve. In fact, that's where in 1983, because I distinctly remember it, Because I I used to copy all these other bands, like we were a cover band. we do this, we'd copy their solos, we'd copy this, we'd copy Mm -hmm. that. And I distinctly made the decision that I wasn't going to copy anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Because if I kept copying people, I'd never develop my own style of playing. And so that's when I stopped, right? So like, you know, for example, if you're doing like a a Cream song or an Eric Clapton song in Mm -hmm. a band, um, I wouldn't do the solo that Eric played. I would just do one but I would do it in the same kind of style that Eric plays in. Yeah. You know? And, and you have to make sure that you got the signature um you know, certain signature licks have to be in the song mm-hmm. or else the song isn't the song. Yeah. You know. So you gotta cover those. But, you know, the main guitar solos I'm thinking about like you know, if our Clapton's going out and playing this stuff every night, he's not playing it the same every night because he'd yeah. be bored silly. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you're just playing off the top of your head. That's yeah. what I do. You know, all those little YouTube videos, those aren't things. I don't sit down and plan them. I just, just I come mix. up with a chord progression, right? I yeah. record it, and then I just play over it. Usually yeah. it's like a one-take thing because yeah. I whatever's in my head is what I play. Yeah. That's- and I, I thank Steve for that because Steve – Um, taught me how to do that. You know, he used to do a lot of ear training with me. Mm. And, but you know, basically what we would do is he'd play like a root note and then he would say, keep that in your head. Mm. And then he would play all these other notes and I would have to tell him what interval he was playing. Like, oh, that's a ninth or that's a seventh or that's a sixth or that's Mm -hmm. a flat five, right? But while I was doing this, I didn't have my guitar in my hand. It was just Mm. all by ear. And so what he taught me was how to hear all those different intervals. So now yeah. I can hear them in an instant, right? Yeah. So if I'm thinking of it in my head, I automatically know how to play it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, it gave me the ability to to think and play what I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's, that was the key to it. Yeah, you know?
0: that makes sense. Yeah, uh,
1: so at the time it was doing it, I didn't understand the value of it, but, yeah. you know, it all came together eventually. Yeah. And I, I, I really realized what a what a great benefit that was.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And speaking of guitars, I literally freaked out when I printed this out, and it said that you actually saw Jimi Hendrix live. Oh, Jimi oh, Jimi yeah. yeah, I had a
1: front row seat for that.
0: You did? Yeah. How was it?
1: Oh, man, I, I, I remember it as clear as a bell.
0: So where were you? Tell me everything. It
1: was at Clark University. You know how much it cost me? How much? Six bucks. Six
0: bucks? Six
1: bucks. It was general admission at Clark University, right? And... I didn't have my driver's license at the time, yeah. but my dad was going to drop me off. So there was two shows. There was one at 8, and there was one at 10. And so Jimmy was late. So they didn't start the 8 o'clock show till 10 o'clock. So my dad was coming to pick me up at midnight, oh, right? No. And with the, the second show didn't start till midnight. Yeah. And at midnight, I'm standing at the front door of the um the auditorium there at Clark University, and I got my hand on the, the doorknob, and I'm waiting for him to unlock it and open it. As soon as they opened it, man, I just bolted in, ran down to the front and got a, yeah. got a seat there, right? There was no way I was going to go out and find my father yeah. and say, Dad, you know, I was, and we didn't have cell phones or yeah. anything like that back yeah, then, right? No. So I, I distinctly remember my dad wasn't too happy because, you know, I didn't get out until like 2 o'clock in the yeah. morning or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was just an incredible show. I mean, to see see those guys like the thing about Jimi hendrix that i thought was amazing was his ability to to sing um well he sings really freely mm-hmm. you know but he's also melodic right but he yeah. sings really freely like he'll come out with these little lines but at the same time he's playing all these off-the-wall guitar lines mm-hmm. That don't have anything to do really with what he's singing, yeah. and it's like a you know, it's like a piano player where you get the left hand and the right hand. Yeah. that's what what Hendrix reminded me of. He could sing and just do all these off the wall things with his with his other hand, like wasn't even thinking about it. Interesting, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was just an incredible show. You know, oh, very loud.
0: I can't imagine.
1: If you go on YouTube and search for Jimi Hendrix at Clark University, they have a video of it uh, oh, I'll that, check it out. Yeah, it was filmed. That uh, Some of that stuff was filmed.
0: Why? So I heard Clark University did a lot of weird shows like they that.
1: They did. Uh, Atwood Hall, you know, and um, I, I saw it 10 years after there. I saw the Jefferson Airplane there. Ooh. Um I saw John Mayall and the Bullish there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other bands that I saw. Jose Feliciano, I saw him there. Yeah. Um, but they used to have concerts all the time. Yeah. You know, in fact, Clark used to have concerts outside, too. I, I remember, like, I was walking up in that area one day, and I heard music, right? So I walked into Clark's campus, yeah. and Albert King was up outside playing a blues concert <laughs> wow. for free, right? That's it, it, crazy. You know, it was free, and it was excellent. So. What year was this? Oh, man. I think that was, like, in the mid-'70s. Wow. You know,
0: that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. And then you also saw Janis Joplin and Big Brother. Oh Yeah,
1: I saw them down at Whistler Polytech. Oh, really? Yeah. They
0: were there? I didn't know Vanilla that.
1: Vanilla Fudge opened up for Janis Joplin. So she uh, was
0: in Worcester? I didn't know that. She was in
1: Worcester, yeah. She came out. She had like a, a bottle of Jack Daniels. And she had like a, it was like a cape type yeah. of thing. You know, she used to wear all the time. Yeah. And you know she was just like, put on a hell of a show. Let yeah. me tell you, you know, and she she drank a lot of Jack Daniels too. Oh, I bet! You
0: I know? bet! But it
1: it was impressive.
0: That's amazing. I couldn't even believe. I like looked at this and I was like, oh my gosh.
1: I have a lot of favorite concerts. You know, I mean, I saw the Moody Blues like three times. I saw them, in Denver, Colorado, and it was like a full house uh, auditorium, and I'm telling you, you could hear a pin drop. Wow. That's how attentive people were, you know, because wow. in the Moody Blues, I I don't know how familiar you are yeah. with them, but I really like them, you know. No, they're really good. And then I got to see them at Red Rocks in Colorado, oh, which Red is rocks? an outdoor venue, you know, yeah. And the rocks are on either side of you. And it was at nighttime and the stars up above and, That's you know, and, and it was just, uh, you know, you um, we were all pretty high at the time, you know. <laughs> but Inside the Family Stone was another band that I saw down in Rhode Island. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, I was a what a band that is wow. to see, you know. Uh, they had uh, saxophones and you know, just uh, they were like early funk. I don't know if yeah. you're very familiar with Sly and Family Stone. You know, they did stuff like dance to the music and uh, yeah. okay. you know, it yeah. just a really funky band. Yeah. And uh, I remember going to see them in Providence, and I was like in high school, but I had my license at the time. And we drove down there, and the concert was just outstanding. And after the concert, was a big riot outside. Wow. You know, we walked outside. You could hear gunshots and everything oh else, gosh. and you know, so they they kind of caused a big riot down there. Wow. But um, that was a great band too. You know, I, I my fav my favorite guitar player is Howard Roberts. Most people have never heard of him, but you know, you you watched. I
0: looked him up before you came here.
1: If you've ever watched, you know, like the Twilight Zone. You know, at the very beginning of the yeah. Twilight Zone you hit a dee dee yeah. dee dee dee. dee. You know, that was Howard Roberts, right? Oh, really? He was one of the most recorded guitar players. Back in the sixties, almost any T V show you watched, Howard Roberts was playing on the guitar oh. uh, the, the, the tracks like Bewitched, uh, you oh. know, I dream a genie, yeah. uh what's the the monkeys. He played on a lot of Monkees <laughs> songs. It was like the the fifth guitar player or whatever, you know. Wow. He, um but the guy was just an amazing guitar player, could play anything mm-hmm. and you know, it was able to go from style to style to style within a single song yep. and just do it seamlessly. You know, mm-hmm. some people, when they do that, it's like, oh, well, now he's playing octaves. Uh, you know, okay. You know, it's just trying to show me that he knows how to play octaves. But, mm-hmm. you know, how would how would we just slide in between all those things seamlessly? It was like, um, I don't know, to this day, he's still my favorite guitar player. You know, yeah. uh, like I said, he's played on thousands of different songs and tracks and stuff and then in in the late 1970s he dedicated his life to to education and him and another guy opened the guitar institute of technology in california and he did that up until he passed away i think it was in 1994 from prostate cancer but you know he he dedicated his life to education and that's what he did and um just a, a fantastic musician, you oh, know?
0: That's amazing.
1: I, I still, I, I, every time I listen to him play, it the, every song he plays is like a lesson Yeah. that I can't play, you know? Yeah. It's like, a, I, I don't even know where I would start to, you know, I, I know a couple Howard Roberts songs. I mean, yeah. I've learned a couple, but some of the stuff that he plays is just so difficult to play the way he does it. You know what yeah. I mean? The guy was brilliant. and so that's why I like him and uh, you know I've I've admired him my whole life I started listening to him back in the 60s and I was impressed with him back then because I couldn't do anything that he was playing back then right? I just didn't have the chops for it Mm -hmm. and then eventually I got the chops to be able to do some of what he's doing but some of what he does is just so um, harmonically difficult you know he he can hear the stuff in his head and he knows how to do it but you know if you don't you don't have it in your head what he's doing you yeah. don't know where to stop yeah exactly you know so
0: yeah it's hard
1: see i i like it when i listen to jazz and i can hum the stuff in my head because yeah. that means it's got melody right yeah. and i've studied a lot of howard Roberts mm-hmm. and and that's the thing that you know the thing that he says is when you're going to take a solo yeah, you, know, you, you got to have a theme. Yeah, you know, you you, you got to have some kind of a a theme which gives you the direction mm-hmm. to build off of, right? You can't just go in without anything in your head, yeah. and stuff. So you kind of get an idea, and of course, the most important things about a guitar solo, right, is mm-hmm. how you how you get into it and how you get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the things that that are important as far as what you do in between. It's important, right? But it's not, uh, you know, if you if you don't come into the solo with something that catches someone's ear, yeah. they're not going to want to listen to it. Yeah. You know,
0: how do you, so how do you start when, cause I hear you, <laughs> I can hear, and I love it because oh, you, I, well, I, any him, whether his band is playing on, on Thursday nights, well, prior to the pandemic or I'll hear yours. And I'm always like, Larry's playing, but like, how do you get into it? Do you just start playing? Do you have an idea? Um,
1: it's, Usually, if I'm gonna pick up my guitar, it's because I feel like playing. Yeah, you know. So, um, or if if I'm gonna practice or something like today, I was just doing a lot of practicing. Mm. Um, you know, skills and and things like that. That from this guy Tomo Fujito. Yeah. you know, he's got some interest in skill studies that you know they build accuracy and stuff you know Mm -hmm. um so I I like doing that stuff yeah and and I like to stretch out like that but then Mm -hmm. you know I like color in songs and Mm -hmm. you know a long time ago when I was taking lessons in the 60s I I was taking lessons from Pete Clemente Studios Mm -hmm. and his nephew Jack Pesanelli used to work there and Jack eventually went on to be a professor at Berkeley music wow. he played in he played in Las Vegas for Sammy Davis's band for many years wow. and then after Sammy Davis died then he came back and he got you know went to to, to Berkeley and became an instructor there but you know back in the 60s Jack would sit there, I, I'd go down for my lesson on Saturday, you know, and then after that, we'd like to hang around, and because, mm-hmm. you know, he also sold guitars, so he had a room with guitars mm-hmm. and stuff, and Jack used to work in that room, and so we'd go in there, and, you know, Jack was a good player back then, and he would show me these chords, and, um, you know, he taught me about color, mm-hmm. you know, he said... You know, well, you, you know, you're playing like a C and F and a G chord, for example, right? They're pretty mundane sounding chords. Mm-hmm. But you can add notes to those chords to give them color. Mm-hmm. And they make them sound a whole different type of chord, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what he taught me back then was color. And that always stuck in my head. Yeah. And so even now, you know, I like, coloring chords I, I very seldom go with a straight major chord yeah. or minor chord i yeah. always have some kind of a color note added to it that you know make cool. a, like a sixth or a ninth or whatever yeah um and and that's what i like you know but yeah, you know, i spend a lot of time just doing that trying to come up with an idea mm. um that i can do something with that's not like other ideas i had yeah you know?
0: No, I love your YouTubes. Chris and I will watch them together. Cause oh. like, they're
1: so good. Well, that's good. I'm glad to know that, you know. Um, uh, you know, like I said, those are just things where I just kind of, I, I, I came up with something that I liked and then I said, oh, okay, that's fun to play with. Mm. And then I just film it and throw it out there, right, you know.
0: I don't know. It's, that's all I, I do in my spare time is look up what other people are doing or playing, you know? It's fun,
1: you know? It's, it's, it's cool to have a resource like that, mm-hmm. you know?
0: So what do you think? So what's now the future the pandemic's open? Or are you just gonna do some jamming with your friends and Probably. keep up your YouTube?
1: We're gonna get, we're gonna start writing stuff again, you know, like I, you know, my, my buddy Rich Nealand is a a great lyricist. Um, he, he's got the, the skill for writing lyrics. Mm. And so we did did a CD before. It's called The Bird Sessions on YouTube. You know, Rich wrote up most of the lyrics on it, and I wrote up most of the music. And so that's the way we worked together. And then we would bring other musicians in to record on our albums. So, you know, we had, uh, uh, you know, we have quite a few musicians that are uh, beck and call or whatever. And so that was a really good project, but we haven't done anything for, like, several years. So, uh, you know, we've done some other stuff, but not as The Bird's Project. Yeah. Um, now that the pandemic's over, we can start to get together and yeah. work on that stuff and come up with ideas and yeah. you know, maybe do another album like that. Yeah. You know.
0: Well that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hopefully next time we talk we can get this. I wanna hear more about this and maybe you guys will definitely sure. follow through and
1: I'll always be happy to update you with what's going on, yeah, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was really fun to make. Uh, Larry was awesome you know, he was so insightful and what amazes me is that he's constantly learning and he's constantly striving to be better, a better musician. And obviously it takes determination, it takes ambition, it takes, um, you know, motivation to want to be better. But also I think you know, his sheer love and passion for music is what really drives him. And I thought that was really awesome. Also really curious to hear what you guys think of some of the remakes I talked about. And why do you what do you think it takes to make a really incredible remake? I want to I definitely want to hear from you guys on that one. Everything you heard today will be linked in the show notes and I will also include a playlist of every song and artist uh, discussed so that you guys can listen along and maybe find something that also piques your interest as well. On next week's episode, we are going to be celebrating Prince's birthday. So I'm super excited. We're I'm a huge fan of his. So we're going to talk about how he's impacted my life. And we're also going to sit down with my friend Chris who built his entire bike after the Purple Rain motorcycle. So that's going to be really cool. I think you guys are going to love that one. It's really exciting to know that we'll eventually be able to attend a concert again. We'll be able to attend a a festival. Uh it's I'm curious to see what it's going to be like for us to adapt to this new world. Um I'm really excited to be releasing this podcast at this momentous time and I'm really excited to you know sit down with my guests and hear their own personal experiences and how they felt you know prior during and you know after the pandemic and what they have in store and what are some of the shows they're going to go see um, you know now that things are getting back to normal again so that's going to be really cool. Again, I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what you guys thought about this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please don't forget to rate it, review it, and share it. Share it with anyone you know. Share it with that music enthusiast friend that you know. Share it with your musician friend that you know who may love may love this podcast. Um, It helps people like me be heard and it helps get this goodness out there in the world. So especially as we start to create this new world upon us, it's really important to bring light and optimism into this new world. So uh, especially as life opens up and we can go to our concerts, our favorite concerts and our festivals again. So, you know, music is what connects us all and it keeps us happy and it keeps us alive. I think a lot of people will say that that it kept them motivated during the pandemic, especially those virtual sets. So, um, you know, again, if you enjoyed this, let me know and I will see you guys on the next episode. Take care.